Matter Report presents worship from the Community Adventist Fellowship in Glendale, California. A special welcome to all of our viewers in North America and our new friends and churches in Russia. Today you'll enjoy uplifting music and the preaching of the everlasting gospel by pastor, teacher, and evangelist John Carter. Please get your Bible and study the Word of God with us today. Thank you for joining us for Worship and Praise. Oh, 
Hasn't that song got a great message? May all who come behind us find us faithful. We want to give a special welcome today to you, our church members, particularly to our viewers on the cable networks and 3ABN. Uh, we want to say so much, uh, how much we appreciate being on this station 3ABN. We love and appreciate Danny and Linda Shelton. And we want to send greetings across North America to those who are standing with us in the preaching of the everlasting gospel. As many of you know, two weeks today we commence a great evangelistic campaign in the famous Pasadena Civic. And we want you to pray earnestly that the Spirit of God is going to be poured out upon that place as the Word of God is preached from night to night. Today we're going to continue our Bible studies in the book of Revelation. The topic today is God's last message to the United States of America and to the world. The end of Babylon, the symbol of apostate Christianity and the two great suppers, the supper of the lamb and the supper of the birds. And if you don't go to one, you will certainly be at the other. I want you to turn please to Revelation chapter 18. And today we're going to study Revelation 18 and 19. And those who have been watching the series on television, uh, these videos are available. Videos on the whole book of Revelation. Write to us, Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358, if you want material, uh, videos on the book of Revelation. This must be about uh, number 17 or 18 in the series, I don't know, but we have the entire series on the book of Revelation, preached here at the Community Adventist Fellowship. After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a habitation of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury, or as the old KJV says, through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, and lest you receive of her plagues. Revelation chapter 18 and verse 1 gives great hope to Christians, great hope to the church. The Bible says that in the last days another mighty angel comes down from glory and the earth is lightened or illuminated with the glory of God. Revelation chapter 18 is a chapter on the judgments of God upon the apostate Christian church, the church that has turned away from the word of God. But the Bible teaches that before the final judgments are poured out upon the earth, God will pour out his spirit on his children. And the Bible says there comes a supernatural lightning of the earth with the glory of God. Would you come to the book of Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 to 3, and this also alludes to this last great warning message. Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 to 3. Arise, shine, for your light has come. God is writing to the church. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. The Bible teaches, and this should give you hope, the Bible teaches when things are the worst in the world, God is going to do the best work. The Bible says when darkness covers the earth and the darkness is so heavy that it can be felt and people are in despair, the Bible says another mighty angel comes down from heaven and the earth is lightened with the glory of God. Uh, as one who lives in the city of Los Angeles, I will tell you, there are times when I almost despair of this city. The awful crime, the unparalleled wickedness. You turn on, and you, on television and you read and you see there what's going on in the judicial system 
which is largely corrupt. Because the person who has the most is the person who gets justice or evades justice. Justice has fallen in the streets. And people say, what can be done? It is hopeless. I tell you, my friend, nothing is hopeless while God is on his throne. And the Bible says, another mighty angel comes down from heaven and the earth is lightened with the glory of God. Why are we running this great series, the largest Adventist series in North America for 1994? Why is this church and this ministry doing this? It is because it is a part of God's last movement in the world. That is why. And the church has got one great job to do. The church is to cease playing church and playing politics and go into all the world and preach the gospel. And I want to tell you, even though this campaign is going to, to run us as a church, as a local church, completely dry, and even though we don't have the funds, even though it's costing more than $300,000, I regret it is only 300000 I wish we were spending $300 million. Because the Bible teaches that the, the purpose of the church is to preach the everlasting gospel. And in the last days when the world is covered with darkness, God sends down another mighty angel. And the earth is lightened with the glory of God. Doesn't that give you hope? Did you know, my friend, that when a man is building, when a builder is putting up a house, he, he lays in the electrical uh, wires, he puts in the, the leads and the wires, and he puts in the fuse boxes, and he puts in the, the lighting fixtures. And after the, the, the house has been wired for the lighting, then at, on one occasion he will pull the master switch and the house will light up. I want to tell you now that for some 1900, 2000 years, our God has been putting in the wires. He's been putting in the fuses and he's been putting in the lights. But the time has come in the history of the world when our great God is going to pull the master switch. And the, and the world is going to light up with the glory of God. The Bible says darkness is going to cover the earth and gross darkness the people, but the Lord is going to arise in splendor. This is why I believe in evangelism. Notice verses 2 and onwards, uh, Revelation 18, and cried mightily with a loud voice. I tell you, my friend, this is no time for insipid preaching. This is no time for smart little bedside chats. This is no time to lull the congregation to sleep with little sermonettes. Did you know, as HMS Richards said, sermonettes make Christianettes. And we have a lot of Christianettes because preachers are not preaching with a loud voice. They're not thundering forth the truth of the Bible. They're preaching sweet little nothings. But the day is going to come when God's Elijah is going to arise. This message we're talking is the Elijah message. And the context tells us, because this message is about the woman who is in scarlet, and in the Old Testament she has a name, and her name is Jezebel. And when there was a Jezebel, God raised up a man, and his name was Elijah. And Elijah came with a message hot from the heart of the infinite God. And he came and he said, it is time to come back to God. It is time to believe in the word of God. It is time to repent. It is time to believe the gospel. It is time to keep the commandments of God. And that is the last message that goes to the world. The revelation that unmasks the Antichrist. And verse 4, and uplifts the true Christ. I must not forget that. Now look at verse 3. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. That's the alliance of church and state. And the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. And I want you to notice verse 2. Uh, he cried mightily with a loud voice saying, Babylon the great has fallen, has fallen, and has become a habitation of demons. This is talking about the apostate Christian church. It is not merely talking about an, a, a one institution over there in Europe. It is talking about religion that has gone to seed around the world. And the Bible says that the church has become 
the habitation of demons. Evil spirits will come and possess the churches that have turned from the law and from the gospel. When we spoke on the seven trumpets, you'll remember when we spoke about the fifth trumpet and the sixth trumpet, we there described the work of evil spirits in the church in the last days. My friend, let this be a message to every person today, every person also watching on 3ABN and our other stations. Listen to this. If the Spirit of God doesn't possess you, evil spirits will. In the last days, there are going to be two companies of people in this world. People who have received the gift of the Holy Spirit and people, my friend, who have received the gift of evil spirits. And I believe today that we need more than doctrinal purity. Many of us think if we have doctrinal purity that we will be saved. My friend, the devil has doctrinal purity. But we need to receive the outpouring of the Holy Spirit of the living God. And unless the church receives the outpouring of, of the Spirit of the living God, the church is going to become the habitation of demons. I have seen during my ministry believers who once worshipped God but turned from God and I have seen them literally possessed with evil spirits. And the Bible says in the last days... This great system, which is called in the Bible, Babylon the mighty, the harlot, she becomes the habitation of devils. It makes one concerned that one should receive the Spirit of God and break with formalism. Look at Revelation 18 and verse 4. And I heard another voice from heaven. This is not the voice of an angel, I tell you. This is not the voice of an angel. This is the voice of God. And the voice says, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, and lest you receive of her plagues. The Bible tells me that in the last days, God has a great message that goes to the, to the whole wide world, and that goes to those organizations that have become apostate in their beliefs, and the Bible says that God has a message that goes to those organizations and God says, come out of her, my people. The vast majority of God's children today are in the great religious system that is called Babylon. Don't criticize your brothers and your sisters who may not be doctrinally pure, they may be going to heaven when we may not end up there. So we need to be very careful lest we point a finger of criticism at people who may not understand all things as we do. The Bible says in the last days, God is going to call his people out of religious apostasy. Listen to what this theologian Milligan said. We have already found in more than one passage distinct traces of this double church. The double church. The double church of the true church within the false, of the few living ones within the body which had a name to live but was dead. Many are called, many constituting the outward church, but few are chosen, few constituting the real church, the church which consists spiritually speaking, of the poor and the meek and the lowly. The two parts may keep together for a time, but the union cannot last. The Bible talks about the double church. I want you to know today that if you are simply a member of the outward church, the visible church, and you believe that is enough for your salvation, then you are terribly deceived. And how can this deception be overcome? I want to tell you, by the study of the Word of God, and by prayer, and by receiving the Holy Spirit. And I want to say to every person today, I want to say the words of the great prophet who said, only those who fortify their minds with the truths of God's Word will stand through the last great conflict. I urge you to bring your Bibles to church. I urge you to study the Bible in the privacy of your own home. And the Bible says in the last days, 
God is going to call his children from every nation under heaven, every color, every creed, and he's going to call them out of Babylon. And they are going to be the people who will get to heaven in these last days. Please read on verses 5 to 10. Revelation 18, verses 5 to 10. And I remind our viewers, you can get the earlier videos if you want to understand these subjects. The Bible says of this apostate system, for her sins have reached to heaven. God has remembered her iniquities. Render to her just as she rendered to you and repay her double according to her works in the cup which she has mixed, mixed, mixed for her double. In the measure that she glorified herself and loved, lived luxuriously, in the same measure give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen and am no widow and will not see sorrow. So this is talking about apostate Christianity. Therefore her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she'll be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judges her, and the kings of the earth who committed fornication and lived luxuriously with her will weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning. May I remind you, my beloved friend, that the Jesus whom we worship is not a namby-pamby Jesus. He is not just a gentle Jesus, meek and mild. He is a gentle Jesus. He is meek and he is mild, but the Jesus of the Bible is also a God of judgment. If you go to the city of Washington, you'll see there a great plaque. I don't know who said the words. It may have been Abraham Lincoln. I'm not certain. But the statement says this. When I think of the state of our nation, and the person there was referring to the terrible crime of slavery, which blighted this nation. And he said, when I think of this, and I think of God, I think that God is just, and justice cannot sleep forever. You and I may be alarmed by evil in the world, and we, we may wonder, what is God going to do? My friend, God is going to judge the world in righteousness. And these verses here are given to teach us that the judgments of God are going to come upon Los Angeles and America and Australia and the Bible says upon you and me unless we are right with God. And religion does not save. This great system that we're talking about today is the greatest religious system in the history of the world. It has deceived people by the billions because it has taught them to trust in churchiosity than in the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And because people are trusting in their church membership and following the dictates of church councils and the policies of men instead of the policies of God, the Bible says they are deceived and finally they get the seven last plagues. And the Bible says that this great system is ripe for judgment. Read on verses 9 to 13, please. Strong words, but please notice it in the Bible. If you don't mind, I urge you to read it. And the kings of the earth who committed fornication and lived luxuriously with her, makes you think of the prosperity gospel, will weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour your judgment has come. Now I want you to notice this. Babylon's priorities. And the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her, for no one buys their merchandise anymore. Merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen and purple, silk and scarlet, every kind of citron wood, every kind of object of ivory, every kind of object of most precious wood, bronze, iron, and marble, and cinnamon and incense, 
uh, fragrant oil and frankincense, wine and oil, fine flour and wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and chariots, and bodies and souls of men. Hmm. Do you want to know if you're in Babylon? What do you put first? Do you know what Babylon put, puts first? Things. Hmm. Money. Gold. Nothing wrong with money. Nothing wrong with gold. Nothing wrong with fine homes. But Babylon has things upside down. She has a wrong hierarchy of values. And so Babylon puts things first. And souls of men last. You can tell whether you're in the true church by your attitude to people. Things ought to be used for people. This verse reminds me of one church man who said to us earlier this year, Stephen, money is our bottom line here. Money is our bottom line. They are the words of a man in apostasy who lives in Babylon. As far as the Bible is concerned, the blood of Jesus and the souls of men and women, that's the bottom line. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Let me tell you again why we are running this campaign in Pasadena and why our friends across America and in this church, why we are sacrificing for the campaign. It is because it is the will of God. I do not believe that this is a time when we ought to be wasting money on things that are unnecessary. I believe that the wealth of the church ought to be devoted for the souls of men and the preaching of the gospel. And in the last days upon this system that has replaced the souls of men and women with earthly things will come the wrath of the Almighty God. Do not think that God regards these things lightly, I tell you. Would you please read on? Verses 14 to 22 of this great chapter of the Apocalypse. Verse 14 to 22, And the fruit that you so long for is gone from you. You see, these things don't satisfy. The more you get, the more you get, and the more you want. And all the things which are rich and splendid have gone from you, and you shall find them no more at all. The merchants of these things who became rich by her will stand at a distance for fear of her torment, weeping and wailing because their money is gone and they're lost, and saying, Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour such riches came to nothing. And every shipmaster, all who travel by ship, sailors, and as many as trade on the sea, stood at a distance and cried out when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What is like this great city? And they threw dust on their heads and cried out, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, that great city, in which all who had ships on the sea became rich by her wealth, for in one hour she is made desolate. And then you hear the cry of heaven, Rejoice over her, O heaven. And you, holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. This is the vengeance of an offended God. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found anymore. In the Greek it says, and shall be found no more. In these next two verses... You have the refrain, and the refrain is, no more. This translation says, will not be found anymore. The Greek says, will be found no more. Notice the no mores. The sound of harpists, 
musicians, flutists, and trumpeters shall be heard in you no more. And craftsmen of any craft shall be found in you no more. And the sound of a millstone shall be heard in you no more. And the light of a lamp shall shine in you no more. And the voice of a bridegroom and bride shall be heard in you no more. For your merchants were the great men of the earth. For by your sorcery all the nations were deceived. And in her was found the blood of prophets and saints. And of all who were slain on the earth. There is coming a day, listen to this, I do not wish to make you afraid. It is the word of God. Get it now, my friend, so you can do something about your life if you need to. You know the person you ought to be scared of most of all? A minister who wants your popularity. Because then he'll be a liar. Because he'll prostitute his soul to get your money and to get your respect and to get your friendship. That man is going to cry out one day, no more, no more, no more. The day is going to come as far as peace is concerned, no more. Opportunity for salvation, no more. Opportunity for making money, no more. I, I appeal to every person here today in an unsaved condition, unbaptized, unregenerate, unrepentant, uncaring. Remember the day is going to come when you're going to cry out and say, no more. Because that is the cry of Babylon. Why does God write these things? You say, but this is not the sort of preaching that people like in Southern California. That's the reason Southern California has become such a Babylon. They say, but in Southern California, all you need to do to make a lot of money and hold a big congregation is know how to tell some funny stories. That's what I've been told by preachers. Those preachers are going to cry out one day, no more, when the wrath of God burns them. We need a return to truth. We need a return to reality. We need a return to that which is normal. And that is an understanding of God and his word. Now this first chapter, chapter 18, is the chapter of the wrath of God. It is a funeral dirge. Chapter 19 is about a wedding. Look at chapter 19. Chapter 19 is about a wedding. David and Carol, is that wedding music I hear? Mm -hmm. Know that great song, the cathedral sing it? Chapter 19, the wedding song of praise. After these things I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and honor and power to the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with a fornication. For he has avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her. And they said, Alleluia! And a smoke rises up forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who sat on the throne saying, Amen! Alleluia! Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God! All you his servants and those who fear him, both small and great. And I heard as it were, listen to this, the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters. Like Niagara Falls, like Victoria Falls. I've heard the sound of those mighty waters and there's going to come a sound from heaven like the voice of many waters saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. Listen, my friend. The Bible says, the saints of God, the whole lot of the redeemed, are shouting and saying, glory, hallelujah. Let me share something with you, not to offend your sensitive souls. 
Last night, as Sabbath was coming in, Beverly and I sat and watched a music video. Oh, it did me at least a lot of good. Because the people on it, shedding a few tears, they were saying, praise God, hallelujah. I said, what on earth has ever happened to us? Aren't we a stodgy bunch? We go along to church and we're so solemn and so glum. When we do some of the editing of some of the television programs, we've got to edit out some people because they look so sad. Isn't it terrible? What's wrong with us? I want to tell you what's wrong with us. Most of us have never known the joy of God's salvation. Oh, God needs to get us and shake us up, I tell you. Needs to shake us up. And the saints of God, and some of you look at me now as though there's something wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with me, there's something wrong with you, brother. Something wrong with you. Seems to me, many times when we join the church, the minister or somebody puts in a big hypodermic needle and sucks out all the marrow of life. All the emotions are gone. I know a young lady who went along to one of our academies and they said, if you want to learn to sing well, you must get rid of all your emotions. So she stands and says like this, you say, and she sings like this, and the people say, isn't it wonderful? Oh, you're dead as anything. You go in some of our churches and it's like going and visiting old Tatankerman in the tomb. <laughs> Except Tatankerman doesn't give you any trouble. But here, the saints of God are praising God because God has gotten the victory. And the Bible says that he reigns forever and he's the sovereign Lord. So I don't worry too much now. Well, I worry more than I ought to because I'm sort of a professional warrior. I have to ask the Lord to help me with that. But I don't need to worry about the money for Pasadena because the God who is in charge of it owns everything. Mm. And he's on his throne. It doesn't matter what they say about you. It doesn't matter how they criticize you, how they bellyache. It doesn't matter because the king is on the throne. Now, let me tell you an oriental custom. It says the bride has made herself ready. Back in the days of Jesus, they had some wonderful customs. And we can learn a lot of things from these customs. We think we're smart. We're not. They didn't have the divorces like we have today. Didn't have any of those things. Didn't have AIDS, didn't have any of those things. But when a couple got engaged, that was called the betrothal. That was really, when a girl was betrothed, that was really a big deal. She was considered by the world to be virtually married to the man. And while he was getting the house and so forth ready, she was also preparing herself for the wedding day. And on the wedding day, he came from his father's house and he came with a group of attendants and he came and he got his bride who'd got herself ready and she was all scrubbed up and shiny and ready to go. And he took her, not to his house, but he took her to his father's house. That's what happened. We became betrothed at Calvary. That's when the dowry was paid. Back in the days of Jesus, when a girl got married, there was money to be paid. Jesus purchased his church with his own blood at Calvary. I have been redeemed. And Jesus has gone to prepare a place. And the church is the bride. And the church needs to get ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the church has been purchased by the blood of the Lamb. And the Bible says when he comes back, the bride has made herself ready. I'm glad that God is going to have are ready people, aren't you? Verse 8, Revelation 19, verse 8, And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, 
clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saint. Don't, don't, don't think this is talking here about legalism, that she's going to be saved because of her good deeds. But my friend, a person is known by his works. And so this is saying, this is not like the harlot. She says, I love you, and she uses the language of love, but she's rotten inside. But this bride is pure inside, and her life is shown by her righteous deeds, that she loves Jesus, and she keeps his commandments, the fruitage of salvation. And verse 9, then he said to me, oh, this is great, write, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Are you called, friend? I hope you're called. I pray God that you're called. If you're sitting here today and this means nothing to you and you're bored out of your mind, then you ought to question your calling. But the Bible says, blessed are those are called. It says, many are called and few are chosen. Somebody else said, many are called and few are frozen. But I shouldn't have put that in, should I? And he said to me, right, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. This is not just a lot of talk. And I fell at his feet to worship him, the angel. And he said to me, see that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant. The angels are our fellow servants. We are called to be not uh, proud people, but we're called to serve each other. And of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus, worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And whenever God has spoken through a prophet, doesn't matter who the prophet was, that was the manifestation of the testimony of Jesus. Now notice, here we come to one of the great high points in all of Holy Scripture. I can't read you anything greater than this. Look at it. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. Mm. You know something? It's so, so important. I'm going to ask you to do something. The words, and this is going to cause a problem for the men on the television cameras, so don't stand in front of that camera so they don't get mad with me, real mad. I want you to stand as we read these words. I want you to read them with me out loud. Please stand up. Start at verse 11. These words are so great and grand and awesome. Verse 11, we're going to read down to verse 16 together. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Please be seated. That is the climax of history. Uh, as we got up this morning, we put on a, when we got up, we put on a video, the Cathedral Singers, and one of their great songs is, I've read the back of the book and we win. My friend, I've read the back of the book and we win. It doesn't matter what people say about you, what they do to you, how they kick you, how they fight you. I've read the back of the book and the king is coming. That's the hope of the ages. That's the hope of the church. That is the hope of every person. It is my hope. He is on his throne and he's coming and he's called King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And his name is called the Word of God. He is coming to get his bride. Now, we've talked about the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, the supper of the birds. If, you don't, if you're not in one, you're going to be in the other. 
Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves for the supper of the great God. This is not the marriage supper. That you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and of those who sit on them, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the throne and against his army. They obviously didn't read the back of the book. But here are the people who are in apostasy, who've turned from God, people in the church, people in the world, people who follow tradition, people who follow their emotions instead of truth and God's word. And they gather themselves to make war against the Lamb. Verse 20, Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast, and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. And the rest were killed with the sword which proceedeth from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. And all the birds were filled with their flesh. That's the second supper. Somehow I wish on occasions that we didn't need to even contemplate it, but it's there. All must partake of one of these suppers. Either you go to the supper of the lamb or the supper of the birds. Think of your fate if you die today. As you're driving home today, you run into a semi-trailer and you are killed. The next thing is the supper of the lamb or the supper of the birds. Do not take it lightly and don't trifle with the word of God. Stop your trifling. Why this deadly portrayal? To make us afraid of the fatal disease of sin. A friend of mine, a great scholar said, to go against God is to go against reality. It is to spit into the wind. To do good is to do good for us. And sanctity is the highest form of sanity. Whereas to go against the way of Christ is to choose destruction. To go against God is to spit into the wind. If you should be baptized and if you're rejecting it, you're spitting into the wound. If you know the truth on the commandments and the truth on the gospel and the truth on the need for daily Bible study and you're trifling with it, you are spitting in the wind. I want you to think of those great words. Blessed is he who is called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Not all will be blessed. Blessed is he who is called. Many are called and few are chosen. I want you to think that when you go home today and you go to the mailbox, there is a beautiful envelope and it's embossed and it carries a royal seal. And with trembling hands you open the envelope and you pull out a gilded invitation, and it says something like this. Think of this. It is in your imagination, but nevertheless, it teaches the truth. Listen to this. It says, The King of Heaven invites you, Stephen Jakovac, and you can put your own name in there, Brother Torres, you can put your name in there. The king of heaven invites you to the marriage of his son, to his bride, his chosen, his elect, his precious. Please 
reply today. Today God is inviting you to the marriage supper of His Son. And if you don't accept that invitation, there is one other supper. It will not be a marriage supper. It is the supper of the birds. There are two suppers. Every one of you here, every one of us, is going to eat. What should I do with the invitation? I should do what the great preacher Moody said when he spoke on this subject. He said, I ought to take the piece of paper and I ought to write on it, yes, I accept the invitation and by the grace of God I will be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. I should make that decision now. By the grace of God, I will accept the invitation of the God of heaven and I will be present by the blood of Calvary at the marriage supper of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me see the hands of those here today in this church, this great church, who will raise a hand and say, Yes, I accept the invitation to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Today I want to tell God, by the grace of God, yes Lord, I am coming to the marriage supper. Please keep your hands up and bow your heads. Dear Father, today we thank you for these great chapters in this great book. We thank you that we are blessed and called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. God forbid that we should go to the supper of the birds. But today we choose to accept the king's invitation to the marriage supper of his beloved son to his beloved bride. And today our father we raise our hands and we raise our hearts and we send to you the king of the universe a clear message Yes, we accept the invitation and by the grace of God we're coming and by the grace of God we'll be there. Accept us today, weak, sinful, frail and helpless in the merits of the King's Son. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. And glory be to God. Glory be to God.